0: Quiet numbskulls, on broadcasting.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to So There I Was, this is Fig. And repeat. <laughs> and repeat. the title of this, episode 8, is Big Beaver Up and Ready.
2: That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Spaz joins us for this one. Spaz flew with us in uh, 223. He flew in 331. And while he was in Norway with 331, the air tasking order was being set up and they couldn't use their call sign because it conflicted with with the uh, the Norwegian AWACS. And so they had to come up with a new call sign and find out how the rest goes from there. It's a great story.
1: It was Dad bad. Had spaz has several great
2: stories to share. He does, he does. He's uh, he's, he's, guy guy's fun, and and he relays why he was uh called spaz. It was genetic, <laughs> <laughs> he was a less than patient man back in the day. Yes,
1: yes, great stories. Great stories from spaz. We're gonna have to have spaz on again because we couldn't fit all his stories in in, in an hour. No. So, like, like most of our guests, we're gonna right. have to have him back multiple times.
2: Absolutely. And it'll be fun. This is fun. I know about you, but I'm having a blast reconnecting with these guys and getting some of these great stories. I am I think, having a blast makes me feel 26 years old again. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Young and bulletproof. So, And if you're an aviation professional and you have some good stories to relay, reach out to fig or me, and uh, we'll see about getting you on. Uh, we know there's a lot of people out there with a lot of good aviation stories and we aim to share them all without further ado. Sit back and listen to episode eight, Big Beaver up and ready. Please enjoy. So there I was. It's how every great aviation tale begins. Repeat here from Pensacola, Florida. Welcome, everybody. I'm here today with my co-host Fig, and I'm in Kansas City today,
1: nice. and I'm very excited to introduce Spaz.
0: Hello, Spaz. <laughs> hey Fig, how are you guys? Good, good to be good to be here.
2: Good to see you again, Spaz. Spaz yeah. flew with us in uh, in two twenty three back in the day, so good to have you with us. Thanks.
1: Well Spaz. Uh, I I I would like to ask uh, everybody, how how did you get into aviation? How did you get into aviation specifically? And uh, how did you end up in the Marine Corps
0: flying Harriers? Uh, that's a good question. Uh so my father was in the Marine Corps during Korea. He was a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps. He got drafted in the Marines. Never so he did. was a he was a redheaded stepchild at a family reunion. Uh so but I thought my dad was a My dad was a banker his whole professional life. So he was in the Marine Corps by force and not by choice. But I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I grew up about 10, 15 minutes at the most from the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. And so as a kid, my dad would take me and my brother down to the Fort Lauderdale Airport and watch Delta and Pan Am and Braniff and Eastern come in with their DC nines and 727s. You are naming a,
2: some defunct airlines, brother. Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> and uh so
0: anyway, the two doors down from uh our where we lived in our neighborhood was a Delta captain, and then two doors down from him was a Pan Am captain. And so that's how I kind of got the bug. Plus, I went to one of those shadow programs when you're about sixth or seventh grade where you follow your dad to work for the day. Nice. And uh, so I went to my dad's bank and watched what my dad did for a living, and then the highlight of the day was eating lunch at the cafeteria. So I thought if I had to do that for the rest of my life, I would blow my brains out.
2: <laughs> I have a short life. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so I, I decided that sitting behind a desk was not going to be for me, and since my dad was a marine, I figured. Uh, <laughs> So I tried to join the Marine Corps right out, right in high school. Um, small uh, oversight on my part. I uh, I forgot to tell the recruiter that my father was also a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps during Korea. And so when he came Damn. over the house to pitch the to pitch the Marine Corps, I I neglected to let the staff sergeant know that my dad was also a staff sergeant in the Marines. And well, so uh,
2: how'd this go? It's
0: not well. So it was one of those. <laughs> It was one of those, I got home from baseball practice and told my mom that uh, staff sergeant so-and-so was coming over tonight at 8 p.m. And uh, she kind of said, are you pulling my leg? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm serious. And so my dad pulled up in the driveway after a long week at the bank. Um, that was not what he was looking for on a Friday night. <laughs> so, so anyways, the staff sergeant comes over, he makes his pitch. My dad listens patiently and says, we appreciate your coming over here and making us aware, but um, we're pretty adamant that um, Jim's going to go to college first. And if he decides to join the Marine Corps after that, that's certainly his choice. But his mother and I are pretty adamant that he's going to finish college first. So the staff sergeant, he's going to lose a quota. So he starts leaning in and pressing. And so my father says, if he could just hold that thought for one minute. And my dad was in first battalion, eighth Marines, which is still a, a unit down at camp Lejeune at camp swampy to this day. And, uh, So he went out and he pulled his cruise book out from Korea and he pointed out a picture of then Staff Sergeant Snellgrove in Korea with a Browning automatic rifle over his shoulder and said, that's me. And I I know exactly what the Marine Corps can and can't do. So we, we appreciate your time. And with that, he made a, he made a hasty exit. And then when the door slammed shut, my dad lit me on fire. Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. Mostly for, wasting, mostly for wasting the staff sergeant's time, but also for embarrassing my mother and he like that. Yeah, it was a surprise. So fast forward to college. So fast, so my mother shot up through the ceiling and poked a hole in the roof that we had to get fixed. So fast forward to college. And when I was at my aunt and uncle's house for Thanksgiving my senior year, I had already gone to the Louisville and done all the paperwork to join the Marine Corps with the OSO the program? Yeah, for the, for well, for the OCC program. And so, okay. uh, so then uh, my mom, I called my mom and dad and said, Hey, I'm, I'm here at uh, aunt and uncle's house. I'm safe and sound. And so uh, my mom asked me, have you thought about putting your resume together for interviewing in the spring? Cause you're a senior now. And I said, Oh mom, I don't have to worry about that. I have a job. And so uh, <laughs> needless, needless say, she queried what I was doing, and I told her I was going to go into the Marine Corps, and she went right back up through that same hole in the ceiling. So, you know. As
2: I seem to recall um, you were in the ceiling once or twice, too, hence, hence the call sign, my brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, a, there, so you inherited it, is what you're saying. So,
0: well, I wasn't always the calm, cool, collected pilot you see before you today. There, there was a time in my past where I was a little more excitable. As you can probably remember from our days together at 203
2: and 223.
0: Love it. Yeah. So I come by it naturally, I guess. I'm caffeinated by birth.
2: Well played. Well, played. Yeah. So uh, so you went to school. Uh, you played baseball in school too, didn't you?
0: I did. I, I pitched and played right field, Kentucky.
2: Nice.
1: Nice. See so all fun. these things. I, I never, if I knew Spaz, uh, I, they've been deleted. The penguin, the penguins went off the iceberg because I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember that. I, you know, I only have this much space on the iceberg
0: now. Yeah. It, it's, I don't know it, and it's I don't melting know you,
2: global warming. The iceberg is you, melting and all the stuff. is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You probably didn't
0: know this, but you know, in, in, when we were in Iwakuni, we were playing in a softball game and I, I gunned a ball to second base where O'Hare was and it about took his head off and he didn't. And <laughs> So he kind of viewed me differently after that because he thought I was intentionally trying to hurt him but I was just doing That's what fantastic.
1: I did that is fantastic
0: I was just doing what I did in college and and he did I guess he didn't realize that I played ball in college but I guess he figured it out pretty quickly
2: board. Yeah. nice yeah. nice so you did OCC and you did uh, you got commission yep went down to Pensacola and did, where'd you go through uh, where'd you go through jets?
0: So I, I went through primary and corpus, and then okay. I went through Jets and VT 27. Yeah, I, I was that. a new, new Aces Aces. And then I went to Kingsville, Texas for VT 23 for the T2s and VT 22 for A4s.
1: All right. Golden Eagle.
0: Yeah, I was a golden wet shower. I mean, a golden eagle. That's right. 40'd yeah, yeah. slip. <laughs> yeah, better than, better than being a gay hawk. I mean, a red hawk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy.
1: Where'd you teach, Vic? Uh, I was in VT22 for about six months and then I got moved to the wing and, and I, I, I belonged to the wing forever after that. And I, I taught in both squatters. Nice. Well, 23 was gone, it was just VT22 and 21. It was the TA4 and the T45.
0: Nice. So I played on a men's softball team down in Kingsville, A bunch of the mechanics that were working for Dynacore at the time. They were bunch of nice guys we had we had some fun i got it it was an opportunity to do something outside of the military
1: yeah which didn't happen very often did it
2: yeah
0: yeah yeah
2: so you wound up selecting harriers getting to Cherry point but you well, didn't join us right I, away oh
0: well i was i wound up being selected for Harriers. yeah Oh, well, you were you was voluntold i was i was voluntold by as part of the uh, i was part of the uh the harrier draft where they uh they were, I guess, they decided that they needed to up the annie for the pilot, so you had to have right. a minimum, you had to have that minimum NSS score to go Harriers. And I guess I, I was overachiever and achieved the minimum NSS score to go Harriers. What
1: you get for being an overachiever,
0: there you yeah. Go, there you go. No Commodore dis- goes
2: unpunished, right?
0: That's right. <laughs> Commodore's list of distinction and top hook of my A4 boat didn't do me any favors. Yeah.
2: So, what's uh, do you remember what is NSS? I don't.
0: It's a Naval Standard Score.
2: Okay. See, th- apparently I didn't meet it. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even know what it was. <laughs> so, all right. So, you got voluntold the Harriers, but you didn't join did. us right away at uh, at 223. You, you got through the rag, and you went down the street to the, to- the glorious Bumblebees.
0: I was a bumblebee. Two kind of bees, wannabees and bumblebees. There you go, man.
1: Well, ho- hey, wait. Hold on a second. So, when... <laughs> So uh, 331, 542 and 231
0: all deployed. Right? Yep. yep. Correct. Did you deploy? I joined to the war? Yeah. I I joined them right after
2: they got back.
1: Okay. See we we
2: so we we got there before the war at 223.
1: Yeah, and we've got to watch everybody leave. So so okay, back up for a second, Spaz. Tell me when you started the rag. Do you remember when you started
2: yeah. I got winged
0: in February of 91. Okay. And I, okay. I think I, and I, I moved up to cherry point and I want to say April, May, and then there was a push on to, to get guys through. So I, I mean, I checked in and I started like a week later, there was no wait.
1: It was the short, they shortened everything up.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah okay. Savory told us that don't make plans to go, go out to the beach and hang out on boats. Cause you're going to be too busy studying okay (laughs) okay so
1: so that's okay so you got to vma 331 after uh, after everybody came back from the deployment
2: from that's correct yeah yeah so you wound up there and you had you had a couple good adventures in 331 didn't i uh,
0: (laughs) i did fitzgerald was my first co magic and then uh and then uh and he was joined uh by hollywood and then uh fitzy retired and uh and then Colonel Barr became the CEO. Animal. That's Hollywood. Oh, animal. Yeah, animal. Okay. And then, uh, so my, so so I said my first my first adventure was the hunter not overtake nozzle join up. And then when I found, so I got I got told that in the brief as a brand new guy, my very first flight out of two hundred three. So I I figured I better go talk to one of the experienced guys to figure out how they do this before I screw it up. And uh, since I'd never done it before, so, so in I, the pre-flight
2: brief, the, the flight lead said, "I want you to close on me with a hundred knots and use your nozzles." And, and you
0: to, to use the your way. nozzles to join to expedite the join up because this is the way we do it in the fleet. And I said, "Oh, okay." And so I didn't have any experience at, with that. Said talking, <laughs> <laughs> so I, ju- I grabbed the, yeah. So I grabbed the first guy I could find in the hallway of the squadron. After I walked out of the brief, and it just happened to be our safety officer. And I asked him to Perfect. give me the tech. I said, Slider, how do I do this? Hunter not overtake nozzle join up. And he looked at me like I was from Mars. So he, yeah. s- he said, What are you talking about? And I I told him what I was briefed, and I saw the color drain out of his face for the first of many times. And then uh and he told me not to do any of that and to do what I was taught at 203, and that he would go talk to the flight lead. <laughs> <laughs> So that I guess that we go wrong. So I guess that was strike one, and strike two was I was doing a heavy bomb sortie at the north guns with Chuckles, and this particular flight lead always had a bad habit of pulling the power back and climbing out at 250. I I didn't know that I didn't know that about this individual, but Carl did, and he told me Spaz, if he does that, I want you to take a cutaway, and we're going to pass him like he's standing still, and you're going to join on me, and we're going to go to the target area, and I'm going to send him home. And that's exactly. Now you're talking about a captain who's talking about a major. So that's
1: exactly. Was exact, Choco was was
0: the uh, uh, WTO? He he was, yeah. He was the WTI, and he was our assistant WTI, opso. Yes. He was the assistant officer okay. and the pilot training officer, all rolled into one. You know, man of many. The cat. He was a captain. you man of many parts. Yeah. So the flight, the flight lead in question was the lead. So sure enough, Chuckles and I, we joined up and he told that flight lead to go back to Cherry Point and land and that he would talk to him after the flight. So that was, I guess that was strike two. You know how you have these, uh, these indicators that you tend to ignore when you're a first lieutenant and you just, it just goes right past you. So that was like strike two that I chose to ignore. And then, so I was, so we went to Norway on the USS Nausea. And uh yeah, Nassau, love it. On the Nassau. And and that was also a good time because um there was another that that was not a fun deployment. And um, so I went to Pee-wee Herman and said, Can I talk to you for a minute in his stateroom? And I knew Pee-wee because I'd taught I'd coached both of his boys in baseball with Pee-wee. I taught them both how to pitch. Oh, nice. And so, uh, so that's how Kevin and I kind of got to know each other on a bait on something other than the Marine Corps on a different level. And so, uh, I, he said, come on in spaz. What's what's on your mind? I said, Hey, is this the way all deployments go? And he goes, what are you not having any fun? And I go, uh, no, this pretty much sucks. <laughs> and, and he started, he started laughing and he said, no, relax. This is a kind of a, a, a corner case. So don't, don't base your whole career. Don't go, comm- don't, don't go out and commit suicide just yet. So I was like, okay, thanks. So that individual, that XO in question, um, he decided to hold stateroom inspections, which I didn't know at the time because I was brand new, having never deployed before. That that wasn't that wasn't uh, part of the program.
2: It's not a thing. No. Wow.
0: Stateroom inspection. So okay. so I was this I was this assistant powerline officer with Jimbo. And so Chuckles came to me and said, Spaz, I need you to go down to your boys and get all the nasty smut magazines that you can round up. And, um, and we'll give them them all
2: over Hollywood's room. while he's gone.
0: (laughs) So it was, so in their room, it was Chuckles, Jimbo, uh, tiny and Benjo where they were all roommates. And so they, they cleaned that room spick and span and put Hershey's kisses on all the chocolates. But then they, they absolutely plastered every square inch of the walls in that, room with smut and then the light switch they had a, a they had the, a, the cutout of a male and the light switch was a pertinent uh, it was a, the light switch was a certain part of his anatomy if you can imagine love it <laughs> so when oh, so when hot when oh. holly when hollywood walked in to do the, the stateroom inspection i think the only comedy he had was uh, nice pictures and then yes. and then and then walked out
1: that's fantastic
0: yeah, he downed a jet for not having a standby stopwatch, and I thought it was going to come off the the top rail on him. Wow! Because I think I think on so truth be told, I think honestly he was terrified to death of going off the bow. Yeah,
2: Clock's so, down, jet's down. Oh man, yeah, that's
0: it. Can't can't go fly. Wow! So we you know we had this we had this back and forth with Tachron that carried over from I found out that carried over from the war when because you know three thirty one was on the Nassau during Desert Shield Desert Storm. Yeah. And so we would we would so you know Yogi. Mm-hmm. So Alex was the pilot, the schedule, he was the schedule writer for 331. Okay. And we are we were participating in this exercise in Norway and they had AWACS, and of course their call sign is magic. So we couldn't use the call sign magic on the ATO. So one of the approved call signs, if you can believe it or not, was Big Beaver. <laughs> Love it. So, so we told Stokes, if we're not big beaver on that ATO tomorrow morning, you don't have a hair on your ass. So <laughs> sure enough, when the ATO came out, we were big beaver. And that that was not the call sign that Colonel Barr had selected. And so got I think he got his ass chewed for about 30 minutes over that one. Hey, you know, but,
2: it's the ATO comes down from above,
0: <laughs> but, but Tacron and everybody in the exercise got a big kick out of uh, us coming up on the radios and checking in with Tacron as big beaver up and up and ready with a flight of two
1: big beaver. One, five, that's, that's <laughs> uh, it.
0: flight that's of two it. checking in as fragged.
1: Oh, so
0: one, man. so I don't know if, you, I don't know if you guys remember, we weren't having a lot of fun on the Nassau. So uh he got a, a copy of the ship's uh, blank letterhead from the admin department and he typed up from ship's XO to department heads subject information update oh and appara- uh, apparently when VMA 331 embarked upon the Nassau during the war the XO of the ship who was a navy captain told lieutenant colonel Fitzgerald that the his pilots could only enter the re- the wardroom for for meals if they were in the camouflage utility uniform and Fitzgerald um, told the ship's XO what he could do with that. And uh, so he said, my, my, if my guys walk into your wardroom naked, you're going to feed them because some of these guys are going to go home in body bags, and I don't really care. We're fighting this thing called a war. You might have heard of it. Nice. So so it was the same XO when we embarked aboard the Nassau with, uh, with Animal in Hollywood. And so they kind of rolled over immediately on all the nonsense. And so anyways, we put this information update out and it said point one it says as 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 predicted the embarked marines rolled over almost immediately on the flight suit issue so now the only authorized uh, uniform in the wardroom is the camouflage utility uniform and then point two but on to more important issues the uh the uss Nassau has been sunk and regenerated at least a half a dozen times in this exercise a true tribute to her true combat capability um, the the admin department's busy typing up yet another well-deserved battle e, um, but this should in no way um, impact your desire to wear sloppy casual navy attire. So wrinkled khakis and soiled flight deck jerseys are still authorized and encouraged in the war room. Go navy! <laughs> <laughs> so we we right. signed that and we put about a hundred copies of it under about every um, stateroom door we could find. Oh. And, and then, and then to make, to, to, you know, there's, you know, there's one thing about sucking the marrow out of life, but it's a whole different matter. When you choke on the bone, we kind of choked on the bone because then we picked the glass on the, on the, um, the information glass in, yep. in the workroom. And we put, we replaced the real plan of the day with that. And then we closed the glass and then animal, when we were all getting ready to go to the wardroom to eat lunch, Animal walked by that and read it in in the loudest voice I think I've ever heard in my life. He said, "I want to see every bumblebee in the ready room right now." Oh shit! <laughs> so we we got our asses chewed. And then he said, uh, "I'm going to find out who did this." And he pulled his pen out of his pocket of his flight suit. And He goes, mm-hmm. "When I find out who did this, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt you with this." And Tiny was sitting right next to me. He goes. He leans, tiny leans over, and goes spaz. Is he gonna poke me in the eye with that? Is that way? Is, is that? Is that? Is that? Is that how he's gonna hurt me? God, so I I, love I, told, it. I told him to shut up. Oh, so you man. know, you know, you know, Jimbo can grow a mustache and a beard faster than the three of us put together. So oh, sure. So we had to grow a yeah, mustache. He just
2: squeezes hard, right? Like he's gonna squeeze yeah. one out and
0: that's out. all he had <laughs> and out. That's right. So he, he's he's one of these guys that probably shaves twice a day and uh and he still doesn't stay ahead of it. So he gave everybody a weak head start and he still won the shave, shave a mustache contest. So he <laughs> so he was my boss as the uh power line officer. So we were getting ready for a morning brief, and it was about five minutes before the brief, and I didn't see my boss. So I being the good assistant boss, I ran into his stateroom and woke him up and said, Jimbo, we're, we're briefing here in about five minutes. You need." So he literally threw his flight suit on, didn't put socks on, put his boots on, threw his flight suit on over the boots and, and walked into the ready room. And, of course, Hollywood saw that. And after the brief, uh, he said, Jimbo, you are not to walk forward in that flight suit. So he summarily moonwalked out of the ready room backwards. <laughs> I love it so we had a plaque so because this was vma 331 was told by headquarters marine corps that we're being disestablished and shut down so we we had a plaque made because we knew this before the deployment to norway we had a plaque made for the uss nassau basically saying the bumblebees last cruise and with the dates assigned with the, the deployment and so none of us wanted to present that plaque to the nassau because they had been so horrible to us so slider who we um affectionately referred to as the pseudo intellect because apparently he was getting out of the Marine Corps and going to get his PhD in history to become a professor. Oh, perfect. So that's why we called him the pseudo intellect. And uh, so, so slider, um, he put together this uh, scroll, we called it the scroll. So anyways, we, so animal got his Achilles tendon crushed and playing a game of crud with the Royal air force at Wittering. So he had to be he had to be airlifted medevac back to the states. Damn it! And so that that left Hollywood in charge of the squadron. Oh. Um, un- unfortunately. So we were up on the bow of the ship, and he was in the red room and saw it up on the plat camera that all the officers and everybody was up on the fantail of the ship. And we said, "Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye!" Reposing absolutely no faith, trust, or confidence in said abilities of the USS Nassau, we hereby do not donate this plaque to said ship but we cast it off into the sea where we hope the USS Nassau joins it as part of the artificial reef program. <laughs> and then we, and then we said, hurl the object. And since I played baseball, they let me chuck the plaque as far out into the North Atlantic as I could possibly sling it. And then there, all the list Marines were cheering and, and then, you know, Hollywood came up to the flight deck and wanted to know what was going on. And we just, you know, we kind of just politely ignored him as we walked past him to go back into the ship. <laughs> That's great. So before we deployed to Norway, uh, the before VMA became VMA-331, it was VMSB-331. And so there was going to be a VMSB-331 reunion at Davis-Monthan Air Force Base out in, out in Tucson. And so I was tasked, being the JO, with setting it up we were going to take six jets out there as soon as we got back from Norway. So like three days after we got back from Norway, we were taking six airplanes out to Davis month for this reunion. And this is that story um, where I almost the third time I almost got killed by this individual. Great. So the three, the three divisions were going to be um, slider spaz and Hollywood and then chuckles tiny and Duke Ellington. And Slider's jet went down with a hide leak. So this was back when, I don't know if you guys remember, but we had to have the uh, airframes change part 331 dealing with the on wire bundle. Um, So at the time, Paddles was the group CO and we weren't allowed to take a non-part 331 jet out of the local flying area. So when Slider's jet went down with a hide leak, uh, hide problem, the maintenance couldn't fix it. So we wanted to know if we could take a non-part 331 out of the local area to davis mountain for a reunion so we went up to the group bottom line is they said no but by the time we got we we're going to do low levels into england air force base in alexandria louisiana and then low levels into randolph and spend the night and then we're going to do another low level into el paso get gas and then another low level into davis month and the next day and be done with it so bottom line is it became me and hollywood because slider couldn't go and slider said you got the lead spaz have fun with a sarcastic with a sarcastic grin
2: was He whiffling as he was walking back into the hangar.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we, we wound up flying a low, uh, uh, just a instrument sortie down to England. Cause we missed our start time on the low level. And, uh, and then, uh, so I filed us for, I don't know, 30 something thousand feet. And I got told, you know, when I landed it in England, why did you file us for so high? And I, I thought, You know, he said, why'd you file us for that altitude? I thought maybe he was angry because I didn't file high enough. I said, did you, did you want to go higher than that? And he goes, no, no, I want to go much lower than that. And I said, well, how low do you want to go? And he said, like 4,000 feet. I was like, what? So we flew from England to Randolph at 4,000 feet and, and with no Victor charts and right where all the bug smashers and VFR traffic are with no, with no T, with no TCAS, which was brilliant. So we get to to Randolph and uh, it's so the next morning we wake up and it is lightning and thundering and it is pouring down rain. And I check out of the BOQ in the morning and Hollywood says, you ready to go? And I I, honestly, I sincerely thought he was joking. So I started laughing and then I realized that he wasn't joking uh, based on his reaction to my laughing at him and uh he said you know you're in the fleet now spaz and you got to suck it up and and the mission we got to make the mission and i was thinking yeah but we're not on a we're not on a mission we're just going to a party
2: so quit using logic now come on that yes. wasn't so, fair <laughs>
0: that's your first problem right there <laughs> that's right so uh at any rate we walked over to when we filed the when we filed the flight plan at base ops with the weather, they thought we were pulling their leg too. Cause they were like, you're not serious about going flying in this, are you? And, and of course we were. And so they were like stupefied. So by the time I walked out to my jet, I was soaking wet from head to toe. And then by the time, by the time I opened up the canopy and got my flight gear out, I, the, the entire cockpit was soaking wet. And then I, I was putting my gear on underneath the wing of the airplane and uh, people are literally stepping outside of base ops watching this fiasco happen. So bottom line is I, I pre-flight the jet, I get in the cockpit, I'm soaking wet from head to toe and I fire up the APU. I get halfway through reading the clearance and my micro, my amplifier on my oxygen mask shorts out because it's soaking wet, right? Not supposed to be so not supposed to be soaking wet. So uh we shut down. We go into flight. We go into flight equipment to see if they can fix it. Bottom line is, Air Force equipment it's not compatible with Navy equipment, so it can't be fixed. So we we trash our plan and we refile from Davis Monthan, or I'm sorry, from Randolph to Yuma, and the plan is to get my mask fixed in Yuma and then go to Davis Monthan. Back backtrack to Davis Monthan from Yuma. So so I'm <laughs> Only no a few I'm hundred window. miles. So that's what we do. So you're and taking so, off
1: intentionally Nordo.
0: Yes. Well, you're
1: only half Nordo, right? Because you just can't talk. You can hear, but you can't talk. Is that right? Correct.
0: That's correct. <laughs> so, you know, half half a plane is better than a whole plane. Well,
1: sh- sure. Why would you need to talk?
0: Yeah. yeah. So Hollywood forgot to bring his high charts, so he took mine. So, so now I have no charts, and I'm Nordo, and, can, and I'm... Yeah. And I'm writing down the fixes that he's putting on the flight release. And I'm looking up those fixes in the inner supplement and scatter. And I'm writing down the lat longs as quickly as I can. So I I can plug that into my inertial. So I know where the hell I'm going since I have no charts because he took mine. So we do a section go and the, his initial call when we check in with departure is, Hey, my wingman's Nordo and I sure hate to lose him in this. So can you expedite our climb to two, three Oh, that was, <laughs> that was the initial call to ATC. Brilliant. So what, Brilliant. what most, what most people do is, Hey, my wingman's Nordo. I need to return to Randolph and land. But so anyway, any rate, the bottom line is the weekend we, we went, we got to Davis month and we, we, we made the reunion. But when I got back to cherry, when I got back to cherry point, I walked into work on Monday morning and slider with that shit eating grin asked me, how was your weekend? Have a good time,
2: and, Lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And when I told him what had happened, he honestly, he seriously dragged me into his office and said, and he closed the door and he said, I hope everything that you just told me that you are just pulling my leg. And I said, Slider, I'm not. Everything I just told you is 100% absolute. The truth. That is what happened. And with that, all the color drained out of his face again. And he said, I want you to go to work. I go to work spaz. I'll talk to you later. I have to go talk to the CEO and the opso right now. And that was the end of that individual's
2: flying with new guys. How about it, that? It only it should have been three attempts at killing somebody, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> only three attempts. So, Wow. Yeah. I so, got a couple
1: of questions, Pete, but I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, uh, are, are you sitting on one? because no, go ahead. Because I'm intrigued now because I'm learning all this stuff about spaz that I never knew. So, <laughs> first of all, I'm trying to wrap my head around being told okay you're gonna take up and you're gonna we're gonna take off and you're gonna join up but you can't talk to anybody and by the way i'm taking your charts yeah <laughs> <That's> that was wait <laughs> mean, let's think about that oh for dear a second. god and he, now just by the but you know just had spaz lost sight in the goo oh yeah how's he telling me he needs a vector how's That's he crazy. yeah oh my so, god
0: so here's spaz's game plan so when i rolled out and we rolled out on the runway to do that section go. Remember, we had the mark, mark, mark feature on the Harrier. Yeah. So I hit, I hit mark, 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 and save that waypoint as mark one, two, and three in the inertial. So I said, if I lose sight of this clown, I'm squawking 7,600. I'm going right back to that mark point. And as soon as the tack end locks up, I'm shooting the tack end approach. I'm landing. And I'm, and I'm going to call Cherry point And I'm going to tell them, I will never fly with him again. Send me another flight lead and get me home. <laughs> and and I'm done. Oh
1: uh, well, that's a good plan. That was so a that good was plan.
0: So that was my game plan. That was a good. But plan. For, fortunately, we didn't need it because we were able to uh, get through the weather and get on out to
2: Davis Monthan. It sounds like he didn't pull power at 250 knots on the on the join up. No, he didn't no, he, he, he did a section go.
0: He did a section go, but we but we did climb out at 250, which was special. So I was yeah. like, so you tell know, you, tell people what a section go is. I
2: don't think I don't think cause most cause people know need, a section goes.
0: Yeah, because you don't need to worry about the air start envelope at 250 because right. you can't you can't get a relight at 250. You can't get a relight. It keeps, it makes yeah, things so, simple that so it way. Makes, so you just pull the handle.
2: That's right. right. That's, that's right. right. So yeah. yeah, describe what a section go is. Vice like, a uh, uh, a delay uh, a, a, a
0: stream stow. Yeah,
2: yeah, stream stow.
0: So yeah, section does. section go is just like we did in a fours so where we line up right next to each other and lead adds power and you just match the power and and you rotate together and clean up together so you did a conventional takeoff we did a conventional takeoff just like okay. we always like we yeah. did when we were students in a4s because hey. he didn't he because he didn't want to do a stream stow because there were the there was the risk that he would go up into the weather without me and i would yeah. immediately i would immediately lose sight because <laughs> i was nordo because i was Under. nordo
2: and do a yeah. circling visual approach and land and drop yeah. time on him
1: yeah exactly <laughs> Well, so you, you triggered a thought here. You, when you said the handle, pulling the handle, I understand you did pull the handle at one point.
0: I do. My logbooks no longer add up. Thanks. Thanks. for <laughs> <We're> supper. <separate>. Thanks <laughs> thanks for bringing that traumatic event back to, back to my memory, Chuck. Well,
1: can, thanks. can you tell me about it? Because this happened, what you were in there, you're a rag instructor, right?
0: Yeah. Pete and I were, were instructors in the rag and, uh, I was, uh, so, the plan was to do low levels. It was me and uh, my my student was Lieutenant J.G. Luca Conti, who's one of our Italian students, who is, by the way, Admiral Conti now in the Italian Navy. Nice. About that. And uh, it was Cruiser Allen uh, and uh, his student. Um, so, we were originally supposed to go to, I wasn't even supposed to fly that weekend. It was supposed to be another flight lead with Cruiser. But he came down uh, with some kind of a uh, upper respiratory infection, got, got sick. And, yeah. Got COVID before everybody <laughs> knew it was COVID. That's right. And so uh, he came to me and said, hey, we, we're coming up on the end of the fiscal year. We're behind on PTR. Um, I know you're single. So can you please take this flight and get these X's on these guys to finish them up? So I said, sure. So we were supposed to go down to the Moody 2 MOA but they were socked in with weather and we didn't have the 3,005 to do low levels. So we were authorized to fly lat on low levels at mag 14. So we decided we were going to do lat on the VR 073 and we'd drop into Oceana, spend Friday night in Oceana and Saturday morning, we'd get up and do uh, another couple lat X's and drop through Seymour Johnson to get gas and then get these guys done. And be, we'd be done by Saturday at you know like one or two o'clock in the afternoon
2: and lead is Great low plan. altitude training so
0: it's low, low altitude yeah low altitude tactical training so yeah. so the first two flight the first the flights on friday went fine and uh and then we dropped into oceana um and uh i'm sorry we we kept the jets the jets we couldn't get parking space at oceana we landed at navy norfolk but we had boq space at oceana so it was a little bit of a you know, we were separated from the airplanes, but, uh, logistical, logistical yeah, problem, a little logistical uh, issue to solve, but the Navy hooked us up with some ground transportation. So it was no matter. So Saturday morning we filed, um, to do the low levels and we we're according to the TR we were supposed to be down at, at uh, 200 feet, but I told cruiser, I said, Hey, I'm concerned with the low sun angle with the new guys and washing out the HUD. So why don't we, why don't we do this first sortie since it's first thing in the morning we'll do it at 300 feet and then when the sun angle comes up for the next flight after we get gas we can drop it down to 200 feet just so we kind of you know at least think about safety and uh so cruiser was the we we're just doing uh no com attack turns in lat and uh so cruiser's student was having some difficulty uh um, winding up being sucked out of all the turns so i asked cruiser are you ready to do a, a cause he was the lead. I said, are you ready to do a, a lead change? Uh, I'm sorry. I was the lead and his student was getting the turns and he said, no, I need to see, I need to see two more 90 degree turns in succession and then I'll be able to take the lead. And I said, okay. So I looked out to the left cause I knew we were going to turn left and I, I, I the intercom and I said, Hey, Luca, are you about ready to attack us left to a heading of, you know, X, And no sooner had I said that than somebody turned out the lights. And what I, what I learned was uh, we had hit uh, and we had just come out of a turn. So as you know, the T-Birds only have two pylons versus six. So they're, they're aerodynamically a lot cleaner. And so they accelerate and we had a, we had a 408 powered T-Bird. So it had a lot of power. So we came out of the turn fast at 487, 490, something like that, which was, so we did LAT at 450 indicated because uh, um, the students were having a difficult time reading ground speed in the HUD. So we just said, you know what, just use, use indicated airspeed. It's easy to see. And that's what we did. And um, so we hit the bird. And uh, I couldn't see because the bird, well, apparently what happened was the bird came through the bullet screen. It went right over Luca's right shoulder. And it collapsed, my, that little flimsy plexiglass that separates the two cockpits. Yeah, so it, I'm going to
2: jump in here real briefly, just because uh to give anybody listening an understanding. In a in a TAV eight Harrier, the student actually sits probably probably two and a half to three feet below the the second seat, the hind seat. Correct. And so and so the the actual bubble canopy over the student's head or the front seater's head, regardless of student or instructor, is the windscreen. The the primary windscreen for for this for the backseat correct so so that's how you wound up taking a bird right right in the uh right
0: right in this right in the beak exactly and so i i couldn't communicate because i as you know i sit right in front of the motor so i I couldn't hear anything because of the roar of the motor and the wind blast and i couldn't see oh it's 450
2: knots of wind loud uh,
0: yes So (laughs) so
1: it came through the canopy in front of you and it blasted did. through your, it, through that my, yeah. That, that,
0: so that, shit so, nice. so the, the second, <laughs> so the second, the second, the, the little divider between the two cockpits is just to make sure that if the front seater pulls the handle, the, the rockets don't um, burn the guy in the back seat. Right. So it doesn't offer any impact resistance so that whatever came through the canopy, it collapsed that, that divider and hit me in the face. And, uh, I couldn't see. So, and I couldn't talk, I couldn't see. And then I felt the jet roll off to the left. So I'm thinking I'm at 300 feet off the ground. I'm ballistic. I can't talk. I can't see. And I don't know whether my student is alive, dead, conscious, unconscious. I don't know if he's flying the jet or if the jets flying him, but all I know is I'm, I'm in a negative flight path angle, going towards the earth at 490 knots and I can't see to fly. So at that point, I decided. I'm it was that's time. bad.
1: That's
0: bad. Yeah. So I, I decided at that point I was going to give it back to the taxpayers, and which I did. And then, and then the real fun of the story starts after I get on the ground, because because we land we landed and Pete knows that's, this because Pete knows this because Pete li- Pete lived through this as the, the safety the,
2: officer. Uh, I was the safety officer in the squadron. Yeah. yeah.
0: So. I so I, I ejected over a little town of Windsor, North Carolina, which is in Bertie County, which is up around the Albemarle Sound, which is a big agriculture community. And I landed on the outskirts of this community down a dirt road with a, a family's house. And uh, I landed my so my student landed in this family's front yard. And this was Saturday morning at 9:30 in the morning, and I landed in the family's backyard. <laughs> And it, the ejection ripped my helmet off and it ripped my oxygen mask off. And all I had hanging out of my regulator was the hose. And I didn't exactly look like the picture of health. <laughs> so I had bird guts and my, my blood and I was cut and bleeding. And Some of the blood was mine and some of the blood was the birds. And, and so, uh, um, I got it when I got out of my uh parachute in the backyard, I reached for my prick 90 and it'd been torn out of my vest, so I didn't have one. But fortunately my student was in the front yard and I grabbed his and I immediately came up on 2828 and told cruiser, "Hey, we're okay. Uh, we got some minor injuries. Um but we're both okay. Don't run the yourself." Bird didn't out of make it. It. <laughs> But the yeah, but the bird didn't make it. So the ambulance came and took us to the hospital, and we're not in this little county hospital with this uh, fam- this country doc, and this uh, emergency room nurse taking care of us. We're not in there five minutes, and the press comes in with cameras rolling. No, and so I'm trying to kick the door shut to the emergency room, um, and the doc sees that, and he closes the door, and he goes, "I guess you don't want them in here, do you?" <laughs> Come
1: so on. he goes.
0: So he goes out and, and he goes out into the emergency room and he goes, he goes, shut your cameras off and get the hell out of here. And this is what I hear through the closed, the closed swinging doors, the, the OR he goes, I hear freedom of the press. And I hear this old country dog go, I don't give a good blankety blank about your blankety blank freedoms. You're on private property. I'm trying to stabilize two injured aviators and I don't need your shit right now. <laughs> so he said Except for him, so he said, you can turn, that. he said, you can turn the cameras off and leave now, or I can call the sheriff and have you go out of here in handcuffs. It's your choice. So he came back in and, and said, how was that? And I said, that, that was perfect. And so this, so I don't know if you remember Chuck, and, uh, but in Eastern North Carolina, there was that Shavender trucking. Was, they were those, those purple, those light colored purple trucks that did all the log hauling for Warehouser. Okay. Yeah. Well, So the nurse who took care of me was a lady named Faye Shavender. And that Shaviner Trucking is her brother. I'll be darned. So, so she stitched me up and I said, well, so, you know, I'm thinking my whole career is over. I'm going to Leavenworth. I'm spending the rest of my life behind bars and that's it. I'm done. And so you have all these, you have all these weird thoughts when, when, you know, that kind of shit happens. And sure. so I asked Faye, I said, so how do I look? And she goes, Oh honey. in her deep, you know, Eastern North Carolina, Southern accent, she goes, Oh honey, I've seen much worse in car accidents. She goes, would you like to see a picture? Would you like to see what you look like? And I said, well, oh, yes, ma'am. If it's, not, if it's okay." And she goes, "Oh sure." She got a mirror, and she goes, "See, you look just fine. There's nothing wrong." <laughs> she, and
2: she's shaking so, the mirror around us.
0: <laughs> so the, the, the mirror, so the mirror never stopped moving. And so, uh, so I, anyways, I got I got airlifted back to Cherry Point on Pedro on the search and rescue helicopter with with no hearing protection, mind you. And then I go into a full blown fight flight physical um, with the doc and doing a hearing test with. On me, when I've been in the back of a helicopter for a couple hours riding back to Cherry Point with no hearing well, with no hearing protection, with that transmission whining in my ears. Sure. So, Cruiser, the only smart thing I probably did um, was I kept this. So, Cruiser lived diagonally across the street from me in our neighborhood in New Bern. So, I kept a spare set of keys to my car and my house at Cruiser's house in case of just such an emergency. Cause my keys were in, were in my flight suit pocket and now they're somewhere in Eastern North Carolina on the swamp. <laughs> oh, so what, what that funny
1: pocket anecdote. get ripped right off too?
0: Well, no, but I kept the, I kept the fuel card and I gave it back to summer, the squadron CO, Colonel Thumb when, when I got there with the receipt yeah. for the gas. Nice. So didn't lose so, that. <laughs> but, but one, one funny anecdote. So when I, when I came around the front of the house, some hunter, cause this was January of 95. So deer season is in effect. So hunters come out of the woods with their 30 odd sixes, and they've got the parachute and the ejection seat. And they said, Hey, uh, you want this? And I swear to God, I I thought I could hear deliverance playing in the background. And I thought very quickly I was going to become Ned Beatty. And uh, so so I said, yeah, I got this rich uncle named Sam, and he's going to need that for the investigation. And then they both pointed with their rifles over in this. So this house backed up to this Cypress swamp area. yeah. And they said, said it's a good thing you didn't land over there. And I said, really? Why is that? And they go, snakes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, great. I survived a 500-knot ejection. I'm going to get bit by a water moxin or rattlesnake and die.
2: Fig, no kidding. I'm telling you, I walked that accident site, and we were hip deep in in water and sludge and mud and oh all. Boy. It yeah. was... It was well, one of the more boy. difficult accidents I used to ever access. Most of they were lucky to land on land because so most I, of that airplane was in the swamp.
1: I've yeah. got a couple of questions. Uh, I okay. know you couldn't see, and uh, that, that led you to say, okay, I, I got to get out of this thing. What attitude were you actually in when you ejected?
0: So based on that? I would guesstimate because we were do. not. We were, we were not, ex- we were not quite wings level when, cause I was thinking we were getting ready to go into a left-hand turn. Yes. And, and so, uh, we were 300 feet AGL last airspeed I saw in the HUD was 487 indicated. <laughs> and, uh, so I would guesstimate we were probably in maybe a five or seven degree left wing down angle of bank when I pulled the handle. Okay. And, uh- and. Your student. So I, so I learned what happened after talking yeah. to the student, what he had done that I didn't know. Cause I couldn't see or communicate with him. He had leaned down into the left because the, the, the bird entered the bullet screen in the right hand corner. So, he, yeah, so ducked, he was ducking. He ducked down into the left to get out of the wind blast. But when he moved down into the left with his body, where did he take the stick down to the left, down and left? So what did the airplane do? It yeah, responded. Down to the left. Yeah. And I, and I didn't know that because I That's, what, see you it. that's, that's what, what you felt. That's what I felt. felt. Seat of the pants I, I felt I knew we were in a left descending turn because I felt the jet roll to the left and start descending in my seat of the pants. So I did, I couldn't talk, I couldn't see and I didn't know whether he was doing that intentionally or whether he was unconscious and I I could didn't have a lot of time to debate the time issue so I so I had to, so I had yeah. to get out. So yeah. that's how so I got out. Was it a surprise to
1: him that the that you would you punched punched both of both of you guys out.
0: So I I, I you know when we got on the ground. I explained to him why I pulled the handle, and and uh, he was uh, he understood. But I mean, it was both of us were it was just a good. It was a bad day. Uh, my you know, recollection,
2: day. I, I'm glad to hear that he's an admiral now. My recollection was he never flew again. I he didn't. No, right he didn't get really goobered in the. Uh- so
0: what? So he because he was out of body position when I pulled the handle he broke his right arm in the ejection yeah and so he went back to italy and recuperated and had to get his arm rehabbed when they pulled the cast off and then uh, and then he came back to 203 and finished the syllabus okay. and he he did his tour at 542 for the the year and right. then he went back to he went back to italy to to take his place in their fleet squadron
2: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause I was in the first Civ Div, the first civilian division by the time he got right. back then. So. Right. Well, that's good. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad he went on to a successful career. I, my that's a, last recollection that's a was story. he had never flown. Yeah.
0: So he's a, he's an admiral, um, in the Italian Navy. So God nice. bless him.
2: Time to go to Italy. Look him up. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's right. So I actually did look one of those guys up. Do you guys remember Doogie?
1: Yeah. So, yeah
2: yeah so doogie was his call sign because he looked exactly like neil patrick harris um but yeah stefano Battaglia. he was yeah. in alitalia and i guess he's now at ita i think is the name of the airline that became Al- alitalia yeah became.
0: and i remember we had the uh who was the lieutenant commander that who had the desk in ops and then Cal- chuckles calderon,
1: calderon. Yeah. yeah
0: remember him chuckles was uh the opso and um let's just say after this guy would flew, you know, you perspire a lot, I guess when you pull G's, obviously, and I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know about that, but uh, apparently um, after he finished flying, he had a very
2: sweat out of him.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He had, and he had a very distinct odor um, to his, (laughs) to his person. And, um, and that would clear the entire op shop out. Well, I'll be darned. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's just that's awesome
2: oh man so great story spaz this is good stuff good so that's
0: so i i i told repeat that uh that ejection is not the closest i've come to dying in an airplane believe it or not
1: no really so
0: the, the closest i've come to dying in a jet airplane was at world airways in a I'm sorry, my previous carrier left to edit yeah, that don't out. Don't
2: worry about it. Just leave it there. Yeah. I'm not and worried we about doing, World. They're defunct. It was World uh, Airways. They
0: tried to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how'd that work? Let's hear it. So I was going into Ente- Entebbe in Uganda on the east coast of Lake Victoria. and Entebbe's at about 4,400 feet elevation. And I was flying. Rich Dagnew uh, was the... Uh, anyways. The captain was a very experienced captain. With a lot of time in the 11. And he was a KC 10 driver in the air force. And then the, the first officer who was doing the flying, I was the RFO. Um, he was a, uh, DC 10 flight engineer and he was a DC 10 flight engineer, check airman for the carrier. And then he got enough uh, multi-engine time on his own where he got his, um, commercial pilot's license. And so the airline hired him as a first officer wow. and they gave him the, they gave him the choice of the MD 11 or the 747 400. And, uh, he chose the MD-11 for his familiarity with the systems, but I thought that was a bad decision because that's a bridge too far to go from recips to an MD-11. Yeah. yeah. So so he had a bad habit of, uh, I call it the chin-yoke interconnect. When he would look up and go visual, he would pull up on the yoke, and when he would look down to the flight director, he would push down. Oh, boy. So we, we, were, two, we were two red over two white on the pappies going into Entebbe, and he looked up and he pulled up, and we went from two over two to four white And then what did he do to fix that situation is he pushed. Oh boy. So, and we hit the ground at 1800 feet a minute.
1: How, wait, how high were you when this transpired? You must've been
0: pretty low. So he was coming in through about five, four, four, 500 feet on the approach. And we went high and he was blowing the, he was blowing the ball off the top, but by going to four, and then he pushed on the yoke to fix the high and, but he never flared. And so we hit the ground going what I estimated to be about 1800 feet a minute. And when the plane when the when the plane bounced, it 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 uh, it it twisted about forty degrees to the left, and I was thinking to myself, there is absolutely no way we are going to land this machine out of this. I mean, there's no yeah. salvage. There's no salvaging this. And so I screamed as loud as I could, you know, power, 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 in my loudest LSO voice I could muster, and then he. He slammed the throttles through the breaker bar on the, the on the MD 11 and over the number two engine on the go around. And then going through about 290 knots, um, I'm screaming airspeed, airspeed, airspeed. And he, he said, I'm pushing for knots. And I said, no, you're, uh, about to rip the slats off the machine, buddy. We're flying. So if, if you pull, the, if you pull the power back, we'll keep from tearing the machine apart. So we, we can we came back around and landed. And so I had a mechanic next to me, and I had a female ops rep, loadmaster, and she was as white as a sheet of, of printer paper. Uh, we we scared her. We scared her pretty good. And then uh, the mechanic is beyond angry because he's got a hard landing inspection, an over temp inspection, an over-speed inspection, and who knows what oh, else. Oh, he's he's going to be busy for days. For days. Yeah. For so days. he's yeah. So he is beyond angry. So yeah, that was a pretty colorful flight.
2: Well, it was almost the MD-11 for you, a Varsity Airplane. Kind, kind yeah, of like the Harrier. Yeah, kind of, that that kind was of a Varsity like, Airplane, too, as I recall.
0: Yeah, yeah, kind of like the Harrier. So,
2: yeah. yeah. McDonnell Douglas, building for Varsity pilots. There you go. That's
1: right. That's right. So, Hey, hey I, I got to tell you guys something real quick. Uh, w- w- you know, in the very beginning, you were talking about, you know, your very first sortie at the RAG, or a very first sortie in your gun squadron, and the flight lead briefed, hey, I... You need to be at 100 knots overtake. So, so you know, we would sometimes, uh, especially when you are experienced, use a lot of overtake and use the nozzles to join. Right. So I go back to Kingsville to be an instructor, and I'm doing a formation flight. I got a Marine F-18 guy in my backseat. He's he's my instructor, and we're getting and we're doing a join up. It's sunset, and I got 100 plus knots of closure. But in my mind. I can kill it. No problem. I just reached over here and grab the nozzle lever. He saw this coming. Cause he'd flown with Harrier guys before coming back to be instructors. <laughs> uh, he didn't say a word. And uh, you know, when I got real close, I let go of the throttle and reach for the nozzle lever. And it wasn't there. And about that time it hit me. <laughs> it's like, like, Oh shit. Uh, underrun. I got the lead. You know, of course everybody got a big, but I mean, it was hundred knots.
0: Oh, and yeah.
1: But you know, that's just what you got comfortable with after. you don't put, Tell the new guy, hey, you're going to join in a hundred knots overtake. That's a that's a message for a disaster.
2: Yeah, what could possibly? Go yeah, wrong?
1: what could possibly go wrong? What Story. could possibly go wrong
2: with that? Exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah. with that, I'll tell you what we uh, we've been going uh, eh, close to an hour now. So, uh, we're Spaz. I hope you'll come back and join us again soon. Absolutely. Please do.
0: I got some more Kingsville stories to tell you that I think I shared with you earlier. Repeat. Yeah, some good stuff. we, we can talk about that at another time. Well, good, uh, so.
1: and I love training command stories. So let's, oh, let's yeah. do Let's do another episode. Okay. Absolutely. We'll do that. Please. Very good. So,
2: so, in the meantime, everybody, uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, we're, we're loving those. Uh, reach out to fig at so there I or repeat at so there I Repeat spelled R E P E T E. You can follow us on Facebook at so there I slash Facebook or Twitter, so there I was.us slash twitter go all right.
0: so you remember when uh do so you remember when uh, levi strauss had the 501 jeans and they had yeah. the five all the different 501 commercials so i thought about contacting levi strauss and because i had a pair of levi's that's actually survived the ejection in my helmet bag underneath the seat that i actually found and i was going to actually tell them hey these have been flight tested to 500 knots oh, so man, here's your that- here's your here's your 501 jeans they actually work
2: a- <laughs> beautiful there you go good to 501 Yeah, (laughs) good stuff well with that everybody we hope you uh, are enjoying these shows give us your feedback please if you're an aviation professional in some way reach out to us and we'll see if we can get you on the show in the meantime stay safe and check six I'll be back